the Gospel of Luke, and um, I, I'm wanting to spend a bit of time uh, on the moment when Jesus was with his disciples, and they said to him, please teach us to pray. And uh, if you sort of uh, like me, that sounds like a, a good excuse to go to sleep. The disciples came to him and said, because uh, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and they kept interrupting him. He must have got quite tired of it. Every time he tried to get some time on his own, they would come along and say, Jesus, we want to do what you're doing. Please teach us to pray like John the Baptist. So Jesus said to them, All right, uh, when you pray, play our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. And those of us who have been to churches for a long time know that we, you go into these liturgies and they say, uh, Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen. That's how John the Baptist prayed. That's how the Old Testament prayed. Unfortunately, the New Testament and the Christian church has taken that prayer and totally destroyed it. It's not even meant to be prayed, I don't think. Jesus uh, might have looked at them and said, You want me to teach you to pray like John the Baptist? I mean, John the Baptist prayed, Repent, for fire and brimstone are coming, God's judgment and wrath are upon you. John the Baptist had no understanding because he had no revelation of God as close, as intimate, as kind. John the Baptist, as Jesus said, was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. He called the people of Israel back to God when they hadn't heard from God for 400 years. He was a great, great man. And he came into a violent and vicious place where if you read the stories of the history around John and Jesus' time, what they did, Herod, Herod killed 6,000 slaves by crucifixion just because he felt like it. He swapped wives like you get new oranges at the market. They interbreeded and then they all got jealous, so they fought with each other all the time. They were always looking over their shoulder. It was a violent, vicious time when Jesus Christ came into the world and John the Baptist cried out, Repent! And it was a vicious time when John the Baptist said, to Herod that the woman you're living with is not meant to be your wife and you need to deal with God on that and for that John got locked up and a short while later one of his wife's daughters was dancing and she danced in a way that pleased Herod and Herod said you can have anything you want honey and she said I'd like John the Baptist's head on a plate and John the Baptist's head on a plate was delivered I think God had mercy on him and said I'll take you home now enough's enough but John the Baptist prayed prayers of desperation, of proclaiming the coming of the Lord. And Jesus said to him, he said to his disciples, I believe, I'm not going to teach you how to pray like John the Baptist, because that's an inferior prayer. I'm going to teach you to pray like I pray. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today your daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's how I want you to pray. Please don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And Jesus showed them what he wanted them to pray, the kinds of things that he would pray for. I don't think for a minute he was saying, here's the script, write it out and read it out. So I think the clue 
And I've never seen this before. I love this when this happens. I think the clue to the Lord's Prayer is not in the prayer. It's right after the prayer. Where Jesus says this. He says, um, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Remember that word, shameless audacity. Shameless audacity means like, I'm not going away. Shameless audacity means I've got a friend here and I don't have anything to feed him with. I need your help. You're my friend. I'm knocking on your door. And Jesus says, Even if your friend gets ticked off, because you absolutely relentlessly won't give up and you're keeping him awake, he'll eventually give you what you want, what you need. And then he takes that and he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Do you realize that's a promise from the living God? Most of us read it like, ask seek, knock, and it's also weak. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I think it's that passage that qualifies the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus, I believe, says to his disciples, don't pray like John. Pray like me, with passion. And these are the kinds of things you can pray with passion. But please, for God's sake, don't read this prayer back to me. Please don't read this prayer back to me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Please don't read the Lord's prayer back to me. Please. Why? Because it's boring. If you who are evil know how to talk to one another, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to one another, why on earth do you behave like I'm some insane idiot and you are an abused child with me? So, the core of the Lord's Prayer is in Father. Jesus Christ went to the cross and he broke through death and the cross and resurrection in order that we would not have to pray like John the Baptist. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus said, John the Baptist was the last of the great prophets, and those who come after are greater. So the good news is that God desires and reveals himself to you as a father, unlike even the best father represented here. And the greatest pain that God the Father has for us is that we behave like abused children. We don't trust him. Or we just come to him for stuff. You know what that's like in your family? And the only time you talk to each other is when you want something. How does that go for building relationships? How does that go for enhancing life between you? The only time I hear from you is when you want something. If you who are evil don't like that, how much more does God the Father say, I don't really like it either. And then we say, well, we, you know, I provided for my kids and look at the way they behave. And they come to me and all they want is something. And God says, look at my kids, look at the way they behave. I provide for them and all they want is more. Teach us to pray, Jesus. He says, we'll start with Father. So I went to England and I visited my daughter, Michelle. She's living in Bristol. 
And we went around and we went to Wells Cathedral and we wandered around there and then we went, uh, where else did we? We went, went to the pub a few times and uh, we went up to Oxford and she came up to visit my sister in Chipping Camden. And you're all incredibly interested. Because um, when I talk about my daughter, it's interesting to me, not necessarily riveting to you. But if in the flow of my conversation I happen to throw in your daughter or your son and start talking about them, you would perk right up. If I start speaking about you or I start speaking about your daughter or your son, you would perk right up and go, oh, why? Because you're related. Because you have relationship. Because they're your son or daughter. God the Father wants to have a relationship with you and me that is like that. Let's listen to this video. You've seen this before, but we'll watch it again because it makes a point. So that's, that's quite moving. But there should be one in front of that. Kids who crawl up into their father's arms and kids who make coffee for their dad because they love him. Kids who are responding to a father who has loved them first. And sometimes we hear that kind of thing and the gap is that I don't have the experience of a father's love that enables me to go respond. And so we, we left with that deficit. And God the Father knows that. And that's why I said earlier this morning, and I say it absolutely with certainty, He wants you and me to crawl up into His arms and let Him love us so that we, maybe down the road, will make Him coffee. Because we're responding. See, God doesn't, has never wanted religion. Religion is like a cold house where you go and nobody loves each other and they just tolerate each other. Many of us know what that's like. Living in a home where there isn't love, all you want to do is get out. There are a lot of churches like that. God is not like that. Jesus came to add to what John the Baptist started, but he came to complete it. And he said, let me pick you up and I'll restore to you the love that you have lost. Probably everybody here has a love deficit of some kind. The way the world erodes us. It's the way things go. And some of us are so shut down that even when I speak like this, you will shut it down. And God's greatest sadness is when He speaks to us like He is this morning and we shut it down. Because He says, all the things you pray ride upon this revelation that I love you. But I can't get to you because you're afraid. I talk to lots of people and some of them are afraid they're going to break down. So they don't break down, they just say, stay screwed up. You've got to get unscrewed. And you get unscrewed by letting love warm you up. And that's why God said, don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. And inside me I go, yeah, but, I, but, 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 but. I did it for years. I know of which I speak. I'm still in the process of being healed. Because I can speak like this, but my one-on-one still needs to be healed. But if we wait until we're perfect, we would never start anything. So I'm boasting about God's grace and God's love and God's faithfulness. He wants to love you more. There's a, there's, a, there's a reality that I've come across recently or been thinking about, and that is we often come to God and say, God, what's your will? What do you want me to do? And one of the things God's saying is, um, I don't like giving guidance. I actually don't like giving guidance. You go, what do you mean by that? He says, because if you actually look at me and enter into relationship with me, you won't have to ask me for guidance. You will know. Guidance will flow out of knowing. Because when you know somebody well, most of the time, you don't have to ask them what do they want next. You know. 
from your relationship. If you want to know what God wants for you, enter into His love. Open your heart to His love. Too many heads are in the way. You won't think your way through God. You won't think your way into His love. You will use your head to blame and to keep Him away from you for all kinds of reasons. And so the Father just simply says, if you want to come to me and pray like Jesus, start with Father. But don't start with Father like, now I've got to make him coffee to show him that I love him. Start with Father that says, I don't know how to love you because I don't even know what love means. So I give you permission to love me into life. That's what I prayed when I was lost again. And I said, oh God, you know, I don't even know how to get back to you. He just began to say, well, turn my way anyway. And as I turned his way, he began to woo me. That's all the way I can put it. And the way he wooed me was through music. I wasn't going to do this, but I might do it just because I feel like it. And he wooed me like this, and you've heard this before, but I, 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 just, I know the Lord is wanting to impart something to us this morning that is very precious. And it's a very cool, precious and I just, started, um, I just started playing this song which I'd written, which is, You, O Lord, are a safe place to be. You, O Lord, are a safe place for me. You calm my heart and you take all my fears. You draw me near with your love. You draw me near. I had written that song 10 years before and it meant nothing to me. And I started playing it again. And he said, remember who I am. That you should be my father and I should be your child beloved by your side in mercy reconciled. And I wrote those words because it was the prodigal son coming home. And if you were in my room at that time this is what would have happened. But you should be my father, and I should be your child, beloved by your side, in mercy. And that was it. I couldn't sing it. I just broke down. And then I thought, that's cool. So I'd say it again. You should be my father, and I should be your child, beloved by your side, in mercy reconciled. It's a wonder, it's a glory. It's a joy to be told, abiding in your love, in the fullness of your love. And you, O oh Lord, are a safe place to be. And you, O oh Lord, are a safe place for me. And like a mighty river, from your heart to mine, let your spirit flow, Lord, in your love. Let it flow. You should be my father. And I should be your son. No, I didn't say son. I said child because I wanted to include male and female. But you should be my father. And I should be your child. Beloved by your side. And mercy reconciled. It's a wonder. It's glory. It's a joy, a joy to be told Abiding in your love In the fullness of your love Abiding in your love In the fullness of your love 
for a long time, maybe three months or four months at that time, I wouldn't have been able to sing that song without breaking down. The reason I can sing that song now without breaking down is I know it is healed that part of me that was shattered and said that I would never be back by his side. I would never be doing this. I would never be standing in front of anybody again. You see, the Father woos us with what, who we are. For you, it might be something, something else. It might be someone else. It might be music. It might be something else. But God the Father today wants to teach you to pray in a deeper way about being his son and his daughter. You see, God starts with children and he picks children up and he says, I love you. And then he grows them and he says, now you're my son and my daughter. And then he says, will you be my disciple? And then he says, I want to send you out as a warrior. I don't want you to stay as a child. I want you to always be a son and daughter. But I want you to grow up so that you can boast of my faithfulness. But you can only do that as the Father abides in you and you abide in the Father. There need be no orphans. And that is from one who knows profoundly what an orphan is like. And Jesus modeled this to his disciples. And just want to close with this. Jesus modeled this. And he said, really, you only go to a friend's house and wake them up at midnight if they're a real friend. You only go to a father and say, Dad, can you help me? If you trust that he won't reject you. And the, heart, the most flattering thing my daughters can do is to come to me at any time and say, help. And the most delightful thing I can do is to respond and say, say I'm so glad you've come. I love to help. The greatest grief would be to me if my daughters were afraid to ask for help. The greatest grief would be to me if the only time I spoke to my daughters was when they wanted something. The greatest grief would be to me if my daughters felt they were orphans. I know the Father's heart for them. And if I, who am evil, know something of the Father's heart for my daughters, how much more does the Father's heart reach out to you and to me this morning and say, be still. Do not be afraid. Talk to me. I want you to talk to me as you respond to the fact that I love you without qualification. When we begin to touch that reality, our lives will never be the same. And Jesus, when he was 12, went to the, 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 the temple and they, he was talking to the leaders and they said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm about my father's business. And his relationship on earth was always relating to his father. I'll just read you some quick things. He says, I can do nothing on my own. My dad's always with me. My father loves me. I and the father are one. Thank you, Father, that you've revealed to these when the disciples came back having healed. Jesus says, thank you, Dad, that you came through. Because I was a little terrified that you might not. Jesus was on the cross. Father, actually was in Gethsemane. Father, save me from this hour but not my will, but yours be done. I trust you even in what's happening to me right now. Whether it's cancer or crucifixion. And he goes to the cross and he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Father, why have you abandoned me? Cry when he took your place and my place and took judgment upon himself. Everything Jesus did was rooted deeply, deeply in trusting his Father with his life. And what he desires and what he showed that John the Baptist couldn't was that that is how life is meant to be lived. In those hands, trusting in the Father through whatever life brings because he is faithful. Finished, he says, into your hands I entrust myself, my spirit. And when Jesus walked this earth, he also revealed the heart of the Father to disciples and he said, Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do not be afraid. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I call you friends, not slaves, and I will not leave you as orphans. I have overcome the world, and I desire that you would know my joy, and my joy would be full in you, not because life is a bed of roses, but because you will never, ever be abandoned by me. That's the invitation of God the Father. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. The prayer, ask, seek, knock, which means, what do you want? I stood here a couple of months ago now and said, uh, God's invitation to you is to come and ask him for whatever you want. And some of you have quite cool testimonies out of that. I'm going to speak on different aspects of the Lord's Prayer for the next while. I don't know what it looks like or how it takes. But it's going to be continually on this model of ask, seek, knock. So, I wonder where you are with the love of the Father. I'm not making him coffee because he hasn't done anything for forever. You angry with him? I make him coffee, but I'm certainly not taking it to him. Yeah, I'd love to make him coffee. And because I just think there's power in these things, I'm going to suggest something. And you probably know what I'm going to suggest. I don't know how you ask passively. I don't know how you seek passively. And I don't know how you knock passively. The invitation of God the Father is, come and ask me for anything that rises up in you as a need, as a desire. And if you can, you can even start with, Lord, I don't even know your love. And he goes, I know you don't. Will you open your heart and I'll give it to you? Because I've got lots. 